0: We're live. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome in, everybody. Friday, April 14th, 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific. I don't know my time zones. Hans, Mimi, Not Legal Advice, Richard, Borghand. Thank you all very much for joining us today. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good?
1: Yeah. Yeah, doing great.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. A lot to talk about today. Lots of stuff. Uh, I want to start with a few bullet points. Uh, I think I'm going to go from from most important to least important. So the most important thing is that Metallica has a new album today. Go ahead and pull up the tweet, producer wife. This is a big deal. If y'all follow my channel, you know I'm a diehard Metallica fan. 72 Seasons is here. I've listened to the whole album uh, once already, and I've sort of been analyzing a few more songs. Bangers, y'all. If you like metal music, Check this out. Highly recommended. Now, on the flip side, I have terrible news. Uh, go ahead and pull, pull up the uh, Elon tweet uh, where uh, he followed somebody. I am very uh, sad to report that Elon Musk has begun following me on Twitter. And this is uh, really bad for Elon because he's just going to get a bunch of shit posting nonstop from yours truly. So this is going to be a disaster. Elon, if you're watching this, I would reconsider your decision. Uh, and then thirdly, let's go ahead and pull up uh, Troy's uh, tweet, which is really going to be the primary uh, topic starter for this uh, podcast, this, uh, this show, whatever you want to call this, this community forum. Uh, so from t- Troy Tesla like, and many others have broke this uh, news as well. Tesla has changed the price in Europe uh, once again in some countries. Here are the prices in Germany and France. So go ahead and pull this up, uh, just a picture if you can. If you could click on there, producer wife. We have a uh, price decreases for the Model Three, the Model Y, uh, and then we have old price, new price difference, and then we can see that for most models, the price decreases are somewhere between the uh, the three percent range to the ten percent range. It looks like the average is around five, five to six percent. So. Curious to hear your uh, perspective on this, if you guys have any thoughts. There's been a lot of uh, conversations back and forth around Tesla lowering prices, uh, the need for potential marketing, the need for getting out there, and hey, like, why are we still lowering prices? What's going on? So I'd love to kind of go down the list and and hear everyone's thoughts, and we can turn this into a conversation. If you're in the comments section, please also share your thoughts as well. We'll start with Hans, since you're right below here, and then we'll go Mimi and Richard, and then we'll turn the conversation.
2: I just go back to something that um, Rob has talked about on the Tesla Daily podcast, that, you know, Tesla has to manage their inventory in pockets. And so there's going to be, you know, different parts of the globe, different markets that have different supply and demand characteristics, you know, they've got to manage both their supply chain um, and their transportation and logistics network and then also yeah what does demand look like in those specific areas so i think overall we're going to see a lot of this and especially in this macro environment obviously with people being concerned about demand we're going to have a lot of attention on this and this is just going to be an ongoing like basically we're going to see price went up here price went down here price went up here price went down here a lot probably over the course of this whole next year and that will probably get an outsized amount of attention overall um, in the media and within the Tesla community until finally we just accept that this is how Tesla is going to manage their business moving forward. I do think that the overall questions about you know what do long-term margins look like that is a very relevant question when anyone is. Trying to make a solid investment case. I think it's easy for us in the bull community to kind of dismiss those concerns and just say, well, Tesla will figure out how to have industry leading margins. I do believe that that's true, but what that looks like in specifics really determines what you feel like is a fair valuation to pay for the stock today. Um, and, you know, industry leading could still only be 10, 15% long-term in an environment where the rest of the auto market is just in the toilet. So, um, but all of those, I think we're just gonna have to keep our eye on the long-term and not be too disturbed by short-term movements and price changes. Um, And we really need to, like Drew said on the call, focus on operating margins of the company. And so we should see, you know, as we see prices potentially come down on the cars, which is on mission, uh, you know, Tesla's goal is definitely gonna be to produce the highest quality cars that they can and to sell those at the lowest prices that they can so that they can grow their TAM to the entire global auto market. Um, And that's definitely the way to do that. So I'm personally not one that's in the camp of, hey, let's try and maximize marketing of vehicles i would prefer them to just focus maniacally on cost reductions um and then we'll just kind of see how that plays out over time and then as they layer in new projects like mega pack for those to support overall operating margins of the company and uh really drive future earnings growth Mimi, go ahead
3: i think that what elon said that demand at scale is limited by affordability tesla is still an expensive car for most people, uh, so I think it's it's good. Um, of course, we're a little bit worried about the margins. I don't know how these changes these changes won't show up now. They will be in the next quarter, and how much will the ramping up in Berlin and Austin even out these um, um, price cuts? I think that's that would be very interesting to see, and. Um, I think it's good i think they should just go for it just produce as many cars as possible and um, in the long run we're going to need the the cheaper one to really scale up but so far i mean model y is the best selling car in europe this year so far uh in china it's the best best selling and the most expensive ev so i'm not too word
0: richard
1: Yeah, I know the Metallica stuff must have so overwhelmed you that you forgot about MMTLP.
2: Oh, my God. You're so right. Please.
1: Wow. Wow, You're so so right. I am so offended. Go ahead, please. You
0: you have the floor for twice the amount you usually would. Go for it.
1: Uh, I'll try to take half the time. MMTLP, so uh, negotiations are ongoing in Congress uh, between, apparently, between uh, certain congressional members and FINRA. Uh, discussing MMTLP, but what's more of note is next week there is a hearing before the House Financial Services Committee, I think where Gary Gensler is appearing, and apparently dates relevant to MMTLP are referenced as being uh, there. So it, it may be that MMTLP is being discussed. Apparently Gensler has not been before in a serious way for like almost two years. Being questioned in a serious way, so there's a lot to question him about. One, so and I'll bring you uh, next week. We'll get an update as to that. Again, it's, it's about naked shorting, uh, a bunch of really, uh, you know, middle class shareholders being screwed and still not having their situation resolved. It's about issues that affect every retail shareholder. But one thing that I found really interesting, and then I'll get to your question, was on April twelfth, Finra proposed to the sec that they be able to do remote inspections so so their job is to inspect they have a inspection duty over a bunch of financial firms they want to not have to go to the firms to do the inspections what could go wrong with that all right now about the other part um real quick
0: before you keep going where can people find more information about this yeah
1: not K-N-O-T, Legal Advice. And I'm coming out with a new channel because my kids want me to come out with a new channel. So I'm coming out with a movie re- review channel that's gonna be called Not a Le- a League Movie Review. And it's okay. based on the Hoffman scale, which is how many minutes I stay in the theater from the time <laughs> okay. the movie starts. All right. Well,
0: I can't wait to follow that channel as yes, well. Yes, so it's,
1: it's great. It's, it's being talked about everywhere. Um, so I, what I was thinking about, and I think the thing that is being left out by everybody, like this is like amazing, You're, you you got to listen very carefully. When interest rates went up, I don't know how many times I heard growth stocks, since their value is based upon future cash flow discounted to the current, and as interest rates go up, that just slams growth stocks. And we are about to enter into a descent of interest rates and the opposite will be true. So the valuations of growth stocks will grow up as long as they're profitable. And I think Tesla is qualifying and nobody is talking about as that as being a counter factor to the stock as it relates to margins. So margins will go down, but interest rates are gonna go down too and I think they're going to cancel each other out to some degree. I think eventually margins will kind of stabilize, and we'll get uh, Cybertruck, which will be a higher margin. We'll get Megapack, that'll be a higher margin. And it may be like the non-traditional kind of vehicles is what gives us the real margin. We aim for 20, we get a little extra bump here and there, and that's kind of how it goes. And I think that's consistent with what they said. I think... You know, I don't know where I heard it, but I'd swear I heard it 20%. That seems to be like the comfy level that if they end up there fine. And I think everything else, that's kind of not a traditional vehicle. They can afford to get more bigger margins. And we know the mega packs are going to deliver bigger margins. And we know the mega packs are not factored into EPS at all. And I heard um, uh, Bradford Ferguson he was sitting out in front of uh, Winthorpe, I guess. I mean, Lathorpe, counting the mega packs go. And he, I guess he figured that right now they're doing 10, 10 a day. And they can up it to about 20 to do, twenty a day. And he was saying, and that's just Lathorpe. It's not including China. And he said that for every 10 a day, that'll bring 18 cents to EPS and for 20 that's 36 cents to eps and that's completely unrecognized and china probably will at least double that if not more so i think margins will go down i'm just going to accept the fact if they're if the average set ups, average price goes down i'm presuming margins will go down although we don't know what the cost savings have been but i think we're going to pick it up elsewhere And as long as you're again, this comes down to the long term, as long as you're you're long and you have time and you can sit, then it's it's a nothing burger. It really is nothing. If you got options that expire next week, then I understand your concern.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the pieces that's fascinating here is that with the quarter one um, deliveries, and sort of the, um, I have like something in my throat. I can't get it out. <clears throat> Somebody want to take this real quick while I clear my throat here?
2: <clears> throat>
0: Why don't we predict what
1: Farzad would say? What do you
3: think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot. I was going to say that I was watching Rob, and I think he said that the prices now are still not are still higher than they were in January 21. And that's not that long ago. And then we didn't complain too much about margins, Yeah, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely kind of think things. that
2: people got a little bit excited about how high margins got while they were basically had so much more demand than they had production during all the supply chain disruptions and just craziness of the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, I think some of that was baked into the price of the stock rising as much as it did, as people saw, wow, the margins are way better than we thought they were gonna be. And they kind of assumed that those margins were gonna be much more durable. And now that we're seeing things kind of revert back to the mean, I think that's why people are a little bit of, uh, yeah, more nervous about that. But I do really appreciate Richard's point about the interest rates. Like, you know, it'll take a while for the margins to degrade, but it should also over that same time frame. We should see some interest rate decreases. Like, there's just no way. I know that a lot of people are saying that we're going to have higher interest rates for longer than people expect. But, you know, at some point, we can't sustain levels above five, six, 7% interest. Um, so, whatever they get up to. And uh, yeah, I think that those two things should kind of cancel each other out and get back to, like you said, Mimi, a more historically supported level of margins that kind of matches with the growth of production.
1: But I'm going to throw something else out. We're headed into kind of, I think, you know, whether we're in a recession or we're kind of in our head, we're in a recession. I think in our head, we're at least in a recession. So, but demand is still good. In other words, they could still price the cars and make a profit and sell everything they do in a time where people are not going to be as free with their money, are thinking about it. So what I think is down the road, let's say two or three years down the road, when we the situation flips, the economy is in good shape, there's going to be increased demand, which is going to, at that point in time, increase the margins again. I, I, I happen to think the margins are dynamic. It's going to be based on macro in large part. And when the macro suits higher margins, the margins will be higher. When the macro doesn't suit high, high, higher margins, the mac, macro will be lower. And the goal will be to sell everything you can produce. I think that's going to be this, the go-ahead goal. And it's just going to be a dynamic. I think um, Amy talked about this. It's dynamic pricing. It's just going to be to what fits the current time. So I don't think you should give it more significance than that. So if it happens to be in this couple quarters, it is, that doesn't mean in 2024, it's not going to be different.
0: I do think, though, <clears throat> I think the margin question, the auto gross margin question, I do think it still has a chance to surprise because I agree with you 100%. I think the, the variability of the margin to, to match customer demand uh, is true as long as Tesla doesn't have a way to take cost out to keep margins where they have been in the, say, the last couple of years. The two big differences versus 21 is that we have now Berlin and Austin, which are ramping significantly higher than the levels that were at 21. One of the warehouses, uh, one of the factories didn't even really exist at that point, which was Austin, really, if you really think about it, it didn't it wasn't even producing anything in 21. Neither was Berlin, I think. And so now you have those two factories that have the latest and greatest processes, tooling, uh, and and localization of materials that Fremont and Shanghai didn't necessarily uh, benefit from and transport localized localized transportation as well, and that. Started really kicking in in earnest in Q1 with the ramp from say 3,000 units to 5,000 units per week, right? So around 5,000 units per week is when you would expect that factory to really become say, uh, say profitable at that point. And after 5,000 units per week, it probably is even more so. So that's one dynamic. So you know, Q1 will tell us just how how uh, additive it is to margin to have Berlin and Austin ramping. And then the second one is, and I think this one is a bigger point that I haven't really seen discussed too much. In Q1, uh, sixty to sixty-five percent than the uh, sixty to sixty-five percent of the um, cars that were delivered in Q1 were Model Ys, and I f- don't think folks realize that Model Y is probably the highest margin percentage product that Tesla sells. More than the S, more than the X, and more than the three, and the reason why is one of the uh, one of the previous calls that Tesla hosted. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think it was Zach. Uh, he he said that the Shanghai-built Model Ys sold to Europe were the highest margin percentage for the company. And what did Tesla do a lot of in Q1? They built a lot of cars in Shanghai and they sent them to Europe with a supply chain that's loosening up from a cost perspective, because there's way less demand from auto with raw materials going down. We're looking at lithium carbonate prices basically collapsing. And the question becomes how long, what was the lead time of the contracts for those raw materials? And when will Tesla be able to recognize those savings, right? But you have all these dynamics that are at play. And these aren't like, these aren't a 2% addition to margin, a 3% addition. This is like a 10%, 15% addition to gross margin percentage. I really do think so. You know, especially if we take Tesla at their word when they say our 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 long-term um our long-term uh competitive advantage will be manufacturing. Okay, this is where that kicks in. And I don't know if we'll see that in Q1, but why wouldn't we see it in the rest of the quarters? And so the question becomes: how much of the of these price decreases is truly purely a demand lever? And how and and what percentage of those price decreases are Really tied to passing on cost savings that will allow Tesla to maximize, call it the demand for the production that they have at those times, but they get to retain their margin, right? Uh, I just I'm just curious to kind of see how much of those savings are really embedded in Austin Berlin ramp and the raw materials going down and Model Y becoming a bigger mix of the piece. Uh, go ahead, Nim. Uh,
3: how much do you think uh, that? the influence of that you can now order a, a Model Y from Austin with 4680s. They should be a lot cheaper. Tesla produced them by themselves and, and it's bullish that they are putting them out there before you can only buy them from inventory, I think.
0: I, I agree. I think I think it's bullish from the standpoint that Tesla is... Uh, is There's a data point that says that Tesla is ramping up the, uh, the piece that's going to allow them to be the most cost-competitive uh, car out there in the market with 4680. Because 4680 is not just a Model Y thing. It's a Cybertruck thing. And it's a compact car thing, right? So, and, and so the more cars you have out there with these things, the closer you are to the reality of a Cybertruck and a compact car. Uh, maybe they don't recognize the, the savings up front. Maybe they need to get to, say... 10,000 model wise per year or 10,000 cars per year using 4680 when they start recognizing those like step changes and cost savings you know when they talked about we can we think we can get the battery cost down by 50 percent or whatever that number is you probably need a lot bigger scale but it shows that they're getting there so that's how I think about it I'm curious to see if anybody else has thoughts on that that's a great question
1: you work oh okay. Um, yeah. So I, what I was thinking about it, this is uh, not exactly related, but close within a couple of miles. Um, I was I heard somebody I don't even know who's uh, who I was watching, but he was talking about Art Laffer and he's an economist. Maybe we talked about it. I don't even I don't remember, but he's an economist. He was Reagan's, I think, uh, economist when he, Reagan was president and he believed in supply side. So um, and I think Elon believes in this. So. Uh Jerome Powell, and I'm speaking for Jerome Powell here, Jerome Powell believes that if I can crush demand, then that will decrease inflation. Uh, Art Laffer believes if you can oversupply, that will decrease inpl- inflation and nobody loses a job. That's how he sees it. By killing demand, you kill jobs. By increasing supply, you do the opposite but you decrease prices because you oversupply. So what I think is in this case, Tesla basically each month is increasing the supply of Y's by a thousand a month per fact, thousand per week per factory. So the more supply, the lower the price. I mean, that's just the law of economics and that's going to continue because each week that Austin, and Berlin produce an extra thousand a week of Y until there is some kind of equilibrium, the price is going to drop. And that's just kind of, it is. Um, But I think in the end, it's according to Laffer, what Elon is doing is anti-inflationary. So, and it kind of goes with his, you know, throughout he's been anti-Powell and you can see why, because he's taking the opposite end of the, uh, approach to getting rid of inflation
0: real quick i just want to highlight this so i I made a tweet yesterday that said because it's kind of loosely tied to this conversation real possibility tesla is the only publicly traded mass market automaker that'll be cash flow positive by 2026 and if you scroll down a little bit um you'll see a uh let me see keep going keep scrolling down keep scrolling down keep scrolling down keep scrolling down hang on maybe uh one second no yeah so if you click on it, there should be a uh, reply from Elon that says true. Maybe if I just send you the other, there it is. So true. So that was just his reply to the tweet there. So and the reason why I highlight this is the the profitability question. I think it's we're sort of getting guidance that long term, this is going to be um something that's going to come to fruition but the deflationary aspect of the trans- of of this system of of tesla becoming truly deflationary will play out exactly what is sort of being agreed upon here that, with from elon is that you're going to have a car maker that's going to be actually generating cash because they are deflationary by nature and they're building their pricing structure around lowering costs as much as humanly possible and then everybody else doesn't really have that capability why Because the management teams are focused about squeezing every penny they can out of their processes and their supply versus actually trying to figure out how to get the cost down so that they can make the profit be- between the gap of how low they can get their costs and how much people are willing to pay for the product versus saying, hey, I'm just gonna nickel and dime what I sell and try to make profit on that. So I just think it's a fascinating, uh, I just I saw him reply to it immediately and I figured I'd, I'd share it. Go ahead.
1: I noticed Richard. that the likes keep on changing. Is CM pressing the button on the sidelines?
0: Yeah, I think she's I can just-
1: I could see that, can see that. Repetitive. it's
0: up. Yeah. Uh, Mimi or Hans, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that there's two, you know, two different dynamics because we do have the American automakers who are probably going to be reducing supply in order to maintain pricing, uh, especially since they have such a large captive financing arm that owns a lot of loans on used or, you know, new cars that are now used cars that they don't want the the value of those books to just crater but so they have kind of an incentive to keep prices high but we're seeing tesla pursue a pricing strategy that really puts them in a tough position because the ice platform overall is being becoming less and less compelling to consumers just it's outdated the technology in these vehicles even You know, even if Tesla made a gas version of a Tesla, it would still be a better car than 95% of legacy automakers today, just from the whole rest of the user experience standpoint. But then when you add into that the fact that, oh, it's much cheaper to operate, much cheaper to maintain, um, the performance that you get out of the electric drivetrain is superior to what you would get out of a gas car, then it really is. And this goes back to what Dave Lee talks about a lot. And that's, you know, for a disruptive product to come to the market, it really, it doesn't need to be a little bit better than comparable products in the market. It needs to be 10 times better. And in so many ways, Tesla has been pursuing the strategy of creating an overall vehicle that is 10 times better than a competitive ICE vehicle. And so Tesla's continuing to do this. They're continuing to now increase supply and reduce prices at the same time because they're riding deflationary cost curves. All the while legacy companies are strapped by bad software, Bad electronics, a non-competitive powertrain, terrible financing options, um, or you know the value of their their fleets that they own the the loans on. Um, and so I definitely see a very real pathway to what you said, where they're just going to be in a terrible position and not be able to be cash flow positive past twenty twenty six. But then on the flip side, you have companies like BYD that they are trying to be price competitive, but their engineering isn't really there. The the quality of the product is not gonna be necessarily competitive with Tesla. And then they don't have the engineering chops to really get the manufacturing side of the equation to where they can produce those cars at any sort of meaningful profit and sell them at prices that are competitive to Tesla. And so on the one hand, legacy and ICE vehicles are not going to be competitive, but even new entrants into the EV space are just going to have a terrible time trying to compete with Tesla and their ability to have a high value proposition to the customer that comes anywhere close. Um, yeah, I think that's a really, it's just a really tough spot. And so trying to figure out how all that is going to play out for the overall auto market, um, it's going to be crazy to watch.
0: Mimi, any thoughts?
3: i read i read somewhere that 10 years ago one out of 70 cars sold or was it 700 was an ev and today it's one out of seven uh, it was really the s curve very very steep mm-hmm. i mean the change is coming so fast and and um, i think that what's really interesting to see which is kind of not about this but if you look at China, 42% of all the cars sold last quarter or this quarter were EVs. If you look at the numbers, 40% if you look at the at the brands. And um, in Europe, it's like, I don't know, 20, 25 or something like that. But in in the US, not at all. It's not growing at all that much. And what, what is lacking in the US? A small car. I mean, we know Americans love their big cars. But there is also, a, we were talking earlier about the affordability. And I think that's where the cheap car will make a huge difference.
0: Couldn't agree more. And you're kind of starting to see this already. Like, if you look at the broader auto market, if you look at the uh, dealership data, I watch this stuff like a hawk. I follow people like Car Dealership Guy. I follow the guys from CarEdge with uh, uh, Zach and, um, oh my God, uh, Zach and, uh, Oh my goodness, I forgot. Uh, Ray, Zach and Ray, Chef Scuff from Car Edge, Um, Cox Automotive. Pickup trucks are just sitting idle on lots now. So like your, and Jeeps. So like your Jeeps, your pickup trucks, because they're just too damn expensive. It's too damn expensive. And I think we're going to start entering into this, uh, especially as the economy continues to cut to slow and the Fed continues to raise rates and more and more people are trying to save money. And then we have AI disruption with jobs and white collar workers. And there's just all this stuff coming to fruition. I think the need for the, for the uh, cheaper car is higher than ever. It truly is higher than ever. And this is where Tesla's price decreases are just so damn well positioned to really, really win. So, so let's, let's kind of hit this topic because I know Richard, you talked about this briefly. This is how you kicked off the, the conversation. What about the stock then? Like short term, like if we think about, you know, and this is not financial advice, but it's a constant conversation that comes up on twitter or on youtube is that great tesla cut the prices again this can't be good for the stock how do you guys think about that short term it, it, does it all hinge on q1 like that's kind of where my head goes this q1 will tell us everything how do you guys think about this
1: yeah it, it does <laughs> so if, if we next topic yeah yeah we're done let's go um yeah i i think uh, if, uh from a technical standpoint also and I have no idea what they're talking about, but the we're in a channel. The channel is kind of narrowing. It's gonna it corresponds with the the uh, earnings date, and depending on how earnings go, either we will go up from that channel or we'll go down from that channel. And um, yeah, I, I think that's that's there's nothing more than that. Uh, I, I but briefly, I wanted to kind of. uh, reference what Hans just was talking about, about the Chinese not having the technology. It's been alleged in the past. I don't know if it's true, but purportedly uh, there have been some Chinese actors that may have stolen Western technology. And as a matter of fact, XPeng, that company, or Xiaopeng as it's called in China, was accused by Elon and Apple of having stolen their source code. So it wouldn't surprise me that shocking. if they, if they uh, may uh, try to acquire technology in in that manner. Um, also, uh, just addressing what you were talking about before, I think like an amazing thing happened uh, this week is Audi said they weren't going to sell any more hybrids in China. Um, and that may relate to what we were talking about last week, the emissions, the new emission standards in China. Maybe they just can't do it. They know it's like it's done. So there's kind of like prematurely prematurely and making the announcement that they're going to have to make in July anyway. And along those lines, I know that uh, Biden uh, just has recommended new tailpipe emission standards to go into effect in the United States starting in 2027, which would basically make it more difficult for gas cars to qualify to drive in the country.
0: Go ahead and uh p- share this uh yeah, right? Share this uh tweet real quick, producer wife that I just posted on um private chat to, to what uh Richard was talking about, uh from Sawyer Merritt, friend of the show. Uh Audi has announced it will no longer sell plug-in hybrid electric vehicles in China after seeing its sales fall by more than fifty percent in the region. Uh and so that's man, I mean doesn't that Say that if you're an automaker that think that's betting on hybrids, on being your carryover solution from gas to EVs, that if you don't have EV scaled up, you're dead. You know the the the, the leading market in the world in China that's actually incentivizing the move to EVs. Really, the thing that's happening here, the, the consumer saying no thanks and now he's like, okay, I guess we can't do uh, hybrids anymore. It doesn't, isn't that the signal? Doesn't that just basically say if you don't have EVs not to scale, you're dead?
1: You know, I, I'm familiar with the, some of the Chinese EV uh, car companies, and one of them is Li, Li Auto, L-I, and it is basically a hybrid model. So when EVs kind of flew off the handle, like in 2021, the stacks went crazy, Li did too. But at that time, and this is like two years ago, the discussion in China was, you know, this is good, but long run they they're making hybrids and it's gonna not gonna fit. So that was in China two years ago that they knew that. So Audi finally catching up. I think it's absolutely right. Legacy that can't put out enough electric units are dead in 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 Asia. They're dead.
0: Go ahead, Mimi.
3: I think that hybrids are going down a lot in Europe, but I read that one of the three um, factors why you don't buy an EV, it's still the charging infrastructure um, that you just don't have the possibility to charge. Um, and I wonder how is it, it? I mean, we know that Tesla has, they have their own, but how do you know anything about the charging infrastructure in China?
0: I think I mean, it's quite a good.
3: Huge, huh? Yeah. Yeah, if I they, think it's, it has to be 42%. quite good for this.
0: Yeah, for this to yeah. happen.
3: And I think they kind of reach a, a tipping point. I mean, if you sell forty-two percent EVs, then the hybrid has it has played out its role.
0: Yeah, uh, Richard or uh, Hans, any thoughts here? I was going to say it's also a way of destroying legacy. If
1: if the Chinese government wants to just kill the legacy auto companies, literally, to make the market easier for their own companies seems like a logical strategy the way they're handling it
2: i mean they do have joint ventures and they partially own some of these companies especially you know anything that's associated with volkswagen i know that those companies have all done joint ventures there in china um so it's not like there's not some negative effects even for the the government there but they may view that as acceptable in the pursuit of their overall goal of electrification. I think the biggest thing that this tells me is that, man, I am not sitting pretty. I'm not having fun if I am Volkswagen right now, because China is one of their major profit centers. And if they aren't able to sell in volume the vehicles that they can make there and, you know, get any sort of meaningful margins out of it then that spells disaster for the Volkswagen group in near short order.
1: Uh, And I was going to say is that um, Asian countries have quite an advantage over Western countries seemingly in that they plan long-term and they're willing to kind of, if it takes 30 years for the Chinese to become the leaders in EVs, they're fine waiting it out. So we And in the West, we're kind of like, we need it. I mean, that's what we talk about, the stock price, right? We're talking about the stock price today. We're immediate and we have a tough time kind of waiting and and planning, you know, planning alone, all that stuff. So I feel perfectly comfortable that whatever they're doing is, is, is a long plan and uh, we not, may not be around when it actually comes to fruition.
0: Yeah,
3: But I I think that China, they only sold about 3% EVs in Europe uh, last year. And there are so many new brands here uh, trying to to market themselves. And I think that, and in in the US, I think it's going to be even harder. People don't want to buy Chinese cars. They're very skeptical about Chinese cars. Um, And also all these Chinese brands, they won't survive. I mean, they have to start taking a profit the government won't subsidize them all for the longest time
2: i think so they might. i'm not
3: sure you think not all of them
0: i think i think if china thinks it can gain an advantage globally by flooding the market with their cars uh and uh, they think that's a good long-term strategy for the strength of their industry they might You know, that's my opinion. I don't know if anybody has any other thoughts about that. Go ahead, Richard. I know you were coming off. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, so, and again, I don't live in Europe, so I know diddly squat. But um, I think I saw something that said, like, in 2021 or 2022, there was quite a resistance to uh, Chinese cars, Chinese EVs in Europe. But in 2020, late 22 or late 23, when prices were an issue... There was a more, not that there was great acceptance, but there was a definitely an uptick in acceptance. And it might be the case, you know, price might win out, you know, because a lot of people make decisions on price and not quality. And if it fits within their price category, they'll go for it. And again, we don't know, we we don't know if there's enough volume to service all the customers. And if there's not enough volume, then people will go for cars that they might not ordinarily go for
3: because they want an electric car. Yeah, but we do mm-hmm. have the same discussion as as you have with TikTok and Chinese spyware. And, uh, and that's, that's a pretty big deal here, too, the discussion about that. And I think that also makes people pretty resistant to buy Chinese cars.
0: It would be interesting.
3: Even if, s- even if Volvo is kind of Chinese, but we don't count that.
1: It would be interesting to see a real poll and see what percentage of Americans would actually buy Chinese cars now, right now. And, you know, it could be like a small percentage might be 10%, but that might still be a sig- significant number of cars.
0: Should we run a poll in the comments right now? Is it, is it what you're asking? Should we do it?
1: Can we poll the United States?
0: Uh, we poll whoever's <laughs> on. I mean, it's going to be a Western audience. I they will audience. say Tesla. Well, I think we should. <laughs> let's let's ask it this way, producer wife. Uh would you be open to buying a chinese car yes or no
1: and these are all these are all tesla people that have a factory in china so they theoretically should be more open to it i would think
0: i mean let's see i mean it's going to be an interesting data set because if it says yes if, if it's a big yes then we know uh ev buyers are likely to buy tesla tesla buyers are likely to buy an ev right uh, a chinese ev i'm just curious i'm curious to see what the results are we how, might about, how
3: about
1: this would a would americans buy a chinese tesla
0: okay so honor system if you're not american if you're not a it, that's actually that's a that's a fascinating sort of call right because you're kind of testing to see if it's the if it's where it's coming from versus the car the, yeah. the actual quality of the car okay uh yeah let's pull that would would you buy an American, a Chinese-made Tesla and see see if it says yes or no? I mean, Europeans are right now. And the, do they know that they're doing that? You know what I'm saying? Isn't all of Sweden and all of these areas buying Chinese-made Teslas? Yeah.
3: yeah, sure. Do they have an if
0: option? Want... Do they have an
3: option? Yeah, they... No, Model 3. They're all from China. And yeah. Model Y is from, uh, from uh, Berlin. And S and X are from the States. So... No choice.
0: interesting, yeah, I'd be curious to see what it, what what the, what the responses are. Um, okay uh, who uh who has a topic? I, I wanted to hit something with the Maki at, at some point, but I, I want to make sure we give uh, room to the forum here. Anybody have a topic they want to surface?
1: Model three, the Highland. Uh, I've seen all those pictures mm, the so? new, yeah the new headlights, the new front bumper, three additional cameras, then apparently a new rear bumper. A fake new dash, apparently, um, with a fake swivel. I like the, I like the fake stuff. I don't understand, by the way, how that's an error. The person I, I don't know if you saw that. The, apparently, the, da- the they were talking about a new dash on the Highland, and apparently that dash came from a picture in 2022 on a different vehicle, and somebody caught it. And they went to the person who gave the information and they said, sorry, it was an error. How do you make an error by taking a picture of an old dash? I don't quite understand that, but it sounded like the the exterior was going to be significantly um, sharpened up, was going to be looking more like a roadster. I think they were going to change the face, too, and and doing something with the, the Tesla emblem. So I think they're trying to freshen it up as much as they can.
0: Yeah. We actually have a picture of it. Uh, uh, once producer wife post a, a poll here, if you can pull up the latest tweet. Um, I think I'm when is it going to be when is it going to launch? I mean, that, that's that's really the curious case here, because, you know, the, the rumors were that this thing's going to go live, I think, in October, like Q3 or Q4 of this year. But we're seeing, you know, this thing's making its way around Twitter for the last couple of days. I mean, if it's real, we don't know if this is real or not. It has a ton of bugs and you would think that they were driving this thing around uncovered. So who knows how real or fake this is, uh, but it does have sort of that roadster, uh design language. I'm wondering if that is a real picture, if those headlights are gonna be your compact car headlights moving forward as well. So are they gonna try to ramp up the production, the supply for those things? You know, it's also
1: gonna have hardware for four. It's also gonna have hardware four.
0: Okay. Allegedly, we don't know. These are all rumors. Yeah,
1: allegedly, purportedly. So,
0: yeah, come on, Mister Lawyer. This is your air of expertise. What the heck, Uh, Hans or Mimi? Any thoughts on on Highland, Molo Three?
3: We don't know anything. Great, <laughs> but we love to speculate. Yes. Yeah, I don't too. know, but I guess I guess that uh, I don't know. There's so much stuff happening now. I mean, when are they going to talk about the Cybertrack? When are they going to talk about Highland? I guess they would at least tell us a little bit in advance. Um, I it don't does know. seem like I haven't heard anything.
0: It seems like the timing for the Highland is correct, though, because it, as as they are ramping up production and as Model Y pricing is coming down faster than Model Three pricing, you're creating this gap between the Model yeah. Y and Model Three that's making the Model Three a tougher sell, in my opinion. Because I think the Model Y is just that much better of a car. The Model Three is a phenomenal car, but boy, the Model Y is good, man. Because you get you get Model Three dynamics a little bit bigger, but you get way more room, um, and uh, it's just as quick. I mean, the Model Three is going to be faster around the track for sure, but uh, you get a way bigger trunk, you get a, a just a lot more space, more comfortable, safer, right? Uh, I, I think the timing's right for the Highland. I think I think it's it's all about the question of how how much have they upgraded their lines by. And I saw uh, Omar from Whole Mars catalog. You you know how in the in the uh, in the um, configurator on the Tesla's website, the Model Three Long Range is grayed out. Is this the kickoff for the Highland? Could it could it launch as the as a long range model potentially? Who knows? A lot of speculation there. Uh, any thoughts on, on Highland? Any other topics we want to throw around? Yeah,
1: Cybertruck. Did you see the new Frunk? The huge. Yeah. Frunk? And a huge wiper. I guess that's the one that's been uh, viewed recently. The front is cool. I mean, that's, that. you know, if you put the back and the front together, that's a ton of space.
0: I've posted the tweet on the private chat, Producer Wife, if you can pull it up for us. We're, uh, we're, we're uh, going through all the uh, Tesla. You're so right, Mimi. There's just so much Tesla stuff happening in the last few weeks. It's just a constant flow of, of new information uh that's that's super fascinating to follow so go ahead and click on that picture producer wife if you can um so you see can you highlight sort of put your pointer above the front trunk that's open, yeah, that L shape, yeah. So that's an L shape. So it's up and then across. So it's like a F-150 Lightning uh, front trunk, which means that the front of it, you're also gonna be able to like put stuff in it, just like the F-150 Lightning trunk, which folks were afraid wouldn't be the case with the Cybertruck, but I think we have confirmation that that's the case. And I think that's, I mean, if it it didn't have that, I would have been bummed because I I think um, that gives a lot more utility. And then for the wiper, let me go ahead and pull up a tweet for that, too, in case people folks haven't seen it. Uh, Giant Giga wiper in action from Sawyer. Here we go. The man that never sleeps and is always sharing Tesla information with us. Go ahead and link that. And then we can look at the video. Look at that thing. Giant. So big. And then if you want to scroll down, is my reply one of the top ones? I was so proud of my reply. Go ahead and scroll down a little bit. Let's see. Not too much. Let's see if we can find mine. If it's not at the top, then it wasn't that good. Okay, there you go. Twitter chose that it's not that good of a reply. <laughs> so I'm not even going to say what I said. <laughs> Just to not embarrass myself. Um, any other thoughts? What What else do we want to hit? Before we go uh, to Q&A here in, in, in a few minutes. Hans, do you have anything you want to hit from your side?
2: I mean, I'd say the biggest thing that is on my mind that's not necessarily related to Tesla, and we can neither either talk about it or sell it but just the ridiculous pace of ai news that has been coming out recently and um especially yeah some crazy developments around like auto gpt chaos gpt and then um there was another guy that gosh i can't remember who was interviewing him now it may have been dave i think it was dave uh, that had figured out how to train like a computer portable version of gpt3 yeah that you could run locally on like an m1 macbook air like these these compounding technological curves are getting to be ridiculous and i think we're right on the cusp of having just an insane like over the next two years we could see the same type of technological transformation that it took us 10 years to see when the iPhone was first launched and we eventually were able to get major platform shifts in social media.
1: But isn't the, isn't the difference that uh, a large number of people don't feel safe with the technology? It's unlike a lot of prior technologies that a lot of people think literally, I'm, I'm not saying mm-hmm. figuratively, a lot of people see it as an ex- existential threat to to humanity
2: you know 100% you could,
1: yeah you could see yeah. you know like maybe the uh, you know uh, orange to a tangelo might be a bad move but it doesn't really impact existence so it may be the case and you have to trust people you have to trust people you don't
2: know well and humanity's ability to predict The future ramifications of things that we've never been able to do historically it's like just the unintended consequence possibilities even if we thought that everyone was really good at their jobs and was completely trustworthy just the unintended consequence risk by itself should be enough reason for us to try to slow down but we're definitely not in a environment from a game theoretic standpoint where the individual actors have enough motivations to keep them from accelerating. And so, yeah, um, I I would highly recommend for anyone who hasn't watched it to go listen to a podcast between Liv Boree and uh, David Schmachtenberger about the concept of Molech and how that kind of overlaps here with the individual motivations of actors, specifically as it relates to AI and, um, you know, David's point that really kind of hit home for me was there's the, the concept of a paperclip maximizing artificial intelligence agent that has been talked about a lot. And David's point was essentially corporations are already paperclip maximizing emergent intelligent beings that are not under the control of individuals that a corporation, you know, kind of has its own motivations um, that supersede the ability of any one individual to control. And they're already like, we can see how those, the motivations of individual corporations over time uh, can just turn into something that is not beneficial to Humanity's ultimate interests as a whole. Um, And so we kind of already have these agents and we've seen how they work out. And now we're talking about supercharging them with both in speed and capability. Um, And then when you talk about their ability to iterate in cycles at a faster rate than they've ever done and the implications that has for compound growth, it's just incredibly scary.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me... It's like, I'm, I'm experiencing this AI thing firsthand with the, with how quickly full self-driving has been progressing for me as of late in my area. I went from not, I went from driving myself 90 to say 85% of the time in any given drive and making sure that I'm looking after the car to me driving, to me driving 0.1% of the time. And then helping the car where needed, which is in less and less situations over time. So much so that it's like, like it inspired me to start a podcast in a freaking car. Because I'm like, okay, I'm not even driving anymore. So I'm like, what can I do when I not drive? Oh, maybe I'll, I'll start a podcast in here. And it's like, it's it's so profound while this is happening. And then you have chat GPT happening in parallel and you have uh uh, auto gpt which the guys on the all in podcast i think you referenced uh earlier hans they referenced today which is the self self thing that you can just tell it uh, one long string of things (coughs) excuse me and it can it can decide what to do or it can decide what to do for you it's just all coalescing under one all at the same time and what this is sort of making me think about is like, okay, so we're, we're talking about all these insane technologies that are coming to fruition. Uh, what happens with the Tesla bot in a few years? I mean, it, it, to me, it seems like we have the data that says the test, something like the Tesla bot will get done. And then, which also means that the implications for like, it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy and everybody knows it's getting crazy. And we don't know where it's going. It 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 to me, it just is this what the internet felt like? Like I, I and, and and you know, is this what the internet felt like? I because no. I, I grew up with no. it. Yeah. No,
1: no, what we've all like? seen the, we've all seen science fiction movies. We have all seen this movie. We haven't seen the movie about the internet. We have seen the AI that goes runs amok and destroys the universe. We've all seen that movie. It's different.
3: Yeah, internet was just exciting. I think. I mean, there were a lot of bad stuff. There still is, but but internet was more of possibilities. And I think AI is so is so complex. I mean, FSD and all that stuff. There's so much positive, uh, many positive things. And then yesterday, I read this really depressing article about uh, women and child ex. Being exploited—I mean, not real ones—but in the sex industry. I mean, it's how it's so easy for pedophiles to make their own photos of kids um, and oh, women, always shown in a which in a way that makes ordinary women feel even less perfect. I mean, there are all those bad things too, and it's happening so fast. You already now you can't tell what's real and what isn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, how can you trust? I mean, I don't. And I'm not like, I'm not somebody who's distrustful, but I just don't believe in this world that there's not going to be a bad actor. And I don't believe, at least I don't know, I don't feel comfortable that if someone's a, a, a poorly intentioned person who is technologically advanced, that it, right today, that we could put a, a stop to him or her. No. I don't think I feel comfortable we can. And with that, without being able to put the brakes to somebody, with the potential of who knows what that makes me really uncomfortable
3: yeah i agree
0: this this seems to be a very common theme amongst the people that i speak to is that it seems like more and more the the t- the the tone and the tenor of the conversation has gone from yeah that seems kind of very far away to this is dangerous and it's not like, it's not like, oh my God, look at how exciting this is. It's like every conversation it's, and maybe I'm biased because that was the tenor of my conversation around the, the, in technology. And then it's like, I'm talking to a lot of people that I've, you know, I associate with in that way. But it, it I'm wondering if you guys are experiencing the same thing. Like is all of these, all of these discussions, uh, with the, like the, the first thing is like, wow, this could be a problem there are really good things about it, but why why it could be a problem. Like Hans, I see you went off mute. Like it's curious to hear what you have to say here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've experienced kind of both ends of it. On the one hand, I find myself playing around with chat GPT and especially the, I have a little bit of access to the GPT-4 version, um, doing all kinds of things with it and enjoying using it as a tool, learning how to use it better. Uh, imagining ways that I can use it to increase my productivity or my output or to help me earn money um, at higher levels. And so that's my individual motivation to use it. But then when I think about people who are bad actors using it to do the exact same types of things, and you think about just how brittle overall our Safety infrastructure is. I mean, I think this is going to be a huge, like, a huge cybersecurity field yeah. that is opening up right as we speak. Is how do you protect yourself now in a landscape of just radically increased threats? Um, and obviously, what we need is people who are exceptionally good. At using AI tools to mitigate new threat vectors. Um, and I just hope that that field of people who are figuring out how to deal with these new threats grows fast enough to keep us from having some sort of catastrophic um, you know failure mode that we get to encounter in in real life like, I'm very worried that we could be looking at world-changing events that exceed the scale that we saw in World War II.
0: Well, I mean, like, 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 the thing that I always go back to is, like, if I think about some of the examples on Twitter with the images and the videos that you can kind of, you know... Some of the audio stuff is very hard to tell. It's not real until you kind of go into a little bit and you kind of if you're familiar with someone's cadence, let's say the Joe Rogan and uh, Sam Altman uh, audio interview that was shared around that one. It sounded really good for the first, say, minute, minute and a half. And then because I'm familiar with Joe Rogan and, and, and Joe Rogan especially, I can kind of tell the 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 cadence of what he was saying was unlike Joe. So I'm like, OK, this is obviously an AI. But it took a while. But what? What if it's somebody who's not familiar with Joe Rogan, right? Well, listen.
1: Didn't you see Forrest Gump, the movie Forrest Gump?
0: It's yeah, just I as love an example
1: movie. where it basically you know puts him into the events, and it's done you know well for movies, but crudely. But that's like thirty years ago, whatever. I, when I saw that, that honestly, what occurred to me is, wow, that means that people can create false stories at that exactly. time um you know and i i don't know how often it happens but i it must happen it, it can't be that we're living in the perfect world where it doesn't happen and again it's just the scale we're talking about what hans was just yeah. saying yeah. it's the scale you know if we're wrong and somebody's really bad the impact can be really bad and we are all talking we're i think we're reasonably intelligent people and we're concerned and i just don't think the infrastructure is there at this point in time. And listen, Elon was pissed, right? Elon was certainly pissed. He was pissed at Andre and he didn't have any hard feelings with Andre before he went back to the AI company. Uh, So Elon isn't comfortable with it either. And if Elon and Steve Wozniak are on the same page about anything, that we should listen because those guys aren't in the same camp about much.
0: That's a great point. It just seems like to me, it's like what we're, these like, and I hate to think this way, but all these like chaotic scenarios are coming to mind whenever I think about this. Like, what's how far away are we from a Joe Biden deep fake that's announcing something horrific that's posted on the WhiteHouse.gov website that somebody has hacked into using the help of AI, and then it incites mass chaos, right? And it causes the stocks to drop thirty percent. And, it be, and it's super realistic. Like it's stuff like that, that has me extremely concerned to your point. It's gonna be so easy to, to like sort of um, twist reality, you know? And how how can we identify it? If it looks real, how do we know it's not real? And it's like, you try to debunk it. How long is it gonna take to debunk something? Is it two hours? Is it two days? I feel mm-hmm. like five minutes might be too late, you know? That's the problem re- that response time is, yeah. And it is a contest,
1: you know, if you get software to detect X, X is going to make it X plus one, and you're going to have to change. It's going to be a game back and forth, back and forth. And you're, and again, the point is, we're, the ramifications can be monumental. So we're not talking about, you know, you lose a piece of gum. Uh,
0: right.
1: You know, it, it's monumental stuff,
2: or could be. Remember yeah, I, mean, I, I think... asked... Go ahead, Mimi.
3: Um, I asked... Um... You guys, I think that was when you were on, um, on uh, Twitter space with Elon first Uh mm. If you could make an AI that could detect what was fake and not. Uh, I think it would be awesome with Elon with Dojo behind him, uh, which is more powerful uh, computer force than any of the others. He could make the, um, the good AI to clean but- out.
0: But this is the problem if an ai is already making things that are false why would you trust the good ai like what no no becomes, not in the
3: long run yes and, right and again trust if, it
1: just because you have good ai today bad ai is going to adjust adjust the next day
3: and you're going to have to you're back and forth with you know but it's good it's good if we don't trust anything because then we will be looking for several sources to verify the problem is if we trust what comes out on the White House homepage. If we all trust it, something terrible will happen. If we all think this might be fake, we will investigate and don't and we won't react immediately.
1: What's the impact though on society that now is distrustful of everything? So how does that affect yeah, you know uh, how does that affect everybody, you know, now? Because we're gonna be skeptical and we're gonna be cynical more. I would guess, you know, I think. It's I don't think those are good traits to emphasize. Why
0: not? Why not?
1: <laughs> I like to trust people. I, Cuz I like to be I'd like to be more friendly and when you're not trusting and you're on guard, that's usually not a uh, kind of a friendly way of interacting with somebody. And you may not develop as intimate a relationship with somebody. So I think that those are negative.
0: I think. Okay. So we're screwed is what basically we what we're saying. Yep. <laughs> it's over. Let's go to Shut QA, it all down.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> a
3: Happy Friday.
2: Yeah, um. right. <laughs> Very
0: cheerful podcast today.
2: <laughs> exactly. The end hey, That's the what I'm here for. Yay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Um well let me let me let me switch to uh one last thing before we go head over to the poll and uh do some QA. Uh I think we should talk about this stuff more. This AI stuff. I think it's it's too important to not to. You know, maybe we can be. Because I I see more and more vo- more and more voices coming up, but I, I do feel like the it's more from a technical aspect and <laughs> a business aspect, and but I think the impact to everyday people, I don't think it's being talked enough because it, it could so very quickly just go out of control, and and I think just talking about it creates awareness and I think that's very important. Um are well, lots th- are coming. I think
2: yeah auto GPT just on that is is really a pivotal moment because it is recursively self-modifying. And so like it can it can create like generate a, a list of step by step things that it needs to do and that each step then it updates okay I've accomplished this. These are the new challenges that I have these are the things that I did not have. And then create itself a new list of things to do, and so it can operate in a autonomous or semi-autonomous way. And the more of these types of agents that we have interacting on the internet, um, it, it you know, it only takes one of them to they you know they can generate code. We've seen examples of them, um, yeah, being able to write new code for themselves, deploy code, run code, and then update itself. Like all the ingredients are basically there for the runaway artificial super future that Elon was very concerned about that got him started on the whole pathway to create Neuralink in the first place. Um, and it's all coming faster than we ever anticipated. And that's the, you know, that's the thing that we didn't expect. We thought we had more time. We didn't expect ourselves to be at this position this quickly and things are only moving faster. And so we have less and less time to figure out how to deal with this whole new world. It's kind of wild how early, go ahead,
1: Richard. I was going to say every big tech company is working on it. You know, even not, if in not every country, it. They're, not, they're not discussing it. Every big tech mm-hmm. company in every, co- every, every country is working on it. It's yeah, you know, it's,
0: yeah. yeah. I, it's kind of it's kind of amazing how early uh, Elon Musk was in calling this sort of 2017. When was OpenAI founded? Mm-hmm. 2016, 2017, something like that. People were like, you're a crazy person. And then we had Andrew Yang running for president Mm -hmm. on sort of like, hey, AI is going to mess the world up. We need to be better at this. It's like, and then it was 2023. And it's like, "Okay, well, we told you so. (laughs) We're here. Welcome. I mean,
1: mean, Uh, just for our sake of discussion, would you feel comfortable if Vladimir Putin had access to advanced AI and could do what he wanted to? I
2: would not.
0: I would not. I I would not, would not be comfortable with our government having access to that.
2: And the yeah. crazy thing is, you know, just look at going back to the, the portable GPT, what they were able to do was take, so just, they put inputs into GPT on open AI's website using chat GPT and they trained a model that was completely portable. So it it takes an incredible amount of resources to train up one of these major large language models um, like LLAMA or like chat uh, or GPT-3, GPT-4. But then once these things exist and they have any sort of interconnectivity to the rest of the internet, someone else can basically recreate that large language model from scratch with a tiny fraction of the resources that went into making the first one. And so it's almost a trivial effort for somebody like Vladimir Putin to be able to now recreate his own version of GPT-4 to use for whatever purposes that he has. Now, that the fact that the thing exists, it's a Pandora's box, literally. Like, the thing exists, and it's already now, the box is open, and... There's no putting it back in the box. And anyone who has any even moderate means can get a hold of these resources and tools and use them as they will to whatever ends that they have.
0: It's going to get to the point that if somebody asks the correct question that will get them the answer that they're looking for, that's, that's all they're going to need to do. They're just going to need to learn how to ask questions. That's all AI is going to be. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. You know, so...
3: Let's talk about me, or something.
0: Yeah, right? (laughs) I'll I'll leave you... So what this tells me on a more positive note, and and in some way, this sort of advancements, I think, tell me that full self-driving and self-driving technology will get done 100%. It's just a matter of when. And the Tesla bot will will get done. It's just a matter of when. And then the question becomes, what do we need to do as a society to utilize these technologies to advance society forward in the best way possible and to minimize the pain and to maximize happiness right it's becoming and like whatever other technologies along those lines generative ai um you know gpt style i don't know whatever like we need to like and keep us safe keep us safe and keep us safe Yeah. yeah no more of will this happen it needs to go to okay what do we need to do to be ready for this It's not no more doubting because the more doubting we have, the longer we're going to take to act on something that's going to be able to change in hours and days and not years and decades. And so I think that's very important for us to have that mindset. So let's talk about Maki before we do (laughs) Q&A. Let's do it. Let's end on something uh, slightly more cheerful, I guess. Not for not for Ford, unfortunately. So sorry, Ford. Uh, dealers are going to get crushed on their used car prices soon. 2020 Maki listed at 55,000. Look at this. So start scrolling down the thread for me. This is Zach Shevska from Car Edge, friend of the show. Thank you so much, Zach. Great follow on Twitter. It's a beautiful Maki. Keep scrolling down. So this was. Uh, it's been on the on market in the market for 134 days at $55,000. Scroll down a little bit more. Uh, keep going. Keep going to the next uh, thing. It was a trade-in. Uh, And look at the price history. So that's the VIN. There's the SUV. It's a five-door. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, They originally listed it for sale at $62,000, which makes me think they traded it in at $55,000 value. What's its current trade-in value? It's $54,000. So scroll down. Scroll down, scroll down. And then $36,000. That's $20,000 upside down. That's not sustainable. Prices will have to correct downward. So what this highlights, it's sort of this, uh, the beginning signs. And with the Ford Mustang Mach-E specifically, I think it's a Model Y price decrease sort of scenario where that that dynamic is causing a car like the Mach-E to sell for a lot less than it used to. But I would expect this to happen everywhere. And if this happens everywhere, the people that have bought a car on a loan where they owe way more than the car is worth, the folks that the banks that gave out loans on these upside down assets are going to have to deal with this. And then you're going to essentially are wiping away uh, asset value uh, that people have because of the dynamic of the Fed raising the rates, prices correcting on cars. And a player like Tesla, who is driving down the cost of transportation every single day or every single week or month at this point. Um, so expect this to happen more and more. I really encourage everybody who has their eyes on Tesla and the auto market, have your eyes peeled on how the use a new car market is reacting to to the price action in 2023 related to Tesla lowering prices and the Fed raising rates and what people are demanding because this dynamic is going to exist everywhere. And it spells a lot of trouble for the economy, in my opinion. Go ahead, Richard.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, so is it possible this could delay uh, people from getting into electric cars? So if if I am own this uh, Mach-E and I can't sell it because I can't get what I paid for it, I hold on to it and maybe I hold on to it longer than I ordinarily would because I can't get value for it maybe eventually I can't even sell it because it it will be almost worthless so maybe I hold on to the car and I drive it m- more years than I ordinarily would because I don't have a choice
0: but yeah that's 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 true but so under that scenario what cars would be bought Right The only cars that would be bought what would think were, were the ones that won't plummet in price because of their drive train or because of the lack of self-driving technology. So there's only really one car company that's going to be able to sell cars in that sort of environment, right I mean unless I'm thinking about this incorrectly. yeah, is that sort it, of what yeah, yeah
1: yeah electric car yeah, only electric car makers that aren't saddled with the uh, with this crap
0: only electric car makers that can drive themselves i really I really think it's going to be that dynamic. The, the the full self-driving stuff with my car, man, I, I really think that if you're a car that doesn't have full self-driving in the next two to three years, you're not going to be able to sell your car. I really yeah. think so. I think, I think, think all these assets are the priced.
1: Don't you think everybody's going to have it eventually? If Tesla comes uh, out with, if Tesla gets, let's say it's far enough along uh, July of 2024 and, uh, and I'm Ford, why don't I just license it from Tesla? I pay a fee and then I put somebody in full they got full self-driving and right. why? Why? And I, I didn't spend the money, right? I, I, they stopped uh, the technology, right? They're not even trying to do that anymore, Ford. They dumped that unit. So why don't they just buy it? I think everybody benefits.
0: If the we'll supply to, chain is there to support that, that level of purchasing of computers and cameras, and is it tied to the drivetrain as well? Mm-hmm. Like, is there going to be conditionality that says, we can only give you this if you have to buy the battery of the drivetrain? So to make sure that they talk to each other properly. Right? But it
1: might, be the, it might be the case that's their existence, right? That's the only thing that keeps those companies in business. Ford may True. be, you not know, precarious. So, and I don't know. I'm just speculating, of course.
0: But, but why wouldn't it, but why wouldn't that be the case? Why wouldn't that be the case? If full self-driving is coming to fruition and it's going to work, why wouldn't that be the case?
1: I think it would be the case even if Tesla didn't come out with it. So if Ford was the one who... Invented it. I think Tesla would license it from yeah. Ford. C- same purpose. You got to provide the feature. You got to provide your cu- your customers the feature. Plus, it's a money making thing. No matter who makes it, right? You're going to charge for it anyway, whether you license it from somebody else or whether you create it.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. But now we're talking before. about the states. How long time will it take before that that is the case in in all of Europe or in Asia? I mean, they're talking about China now, but I think Europe are years away.
0: Don't you think that if there is a, uh, that the United States and China have a proven track record of self driving, don't you think Europe's going to be like, we don't want to be the last ones? Or, We're uh, yeah, yeah. Enough.
3: But I mean, doesn't it, won't it take time? Won't it, won't there be a time of learning for the system? Or will it be I so mean, good that it just works with the cameras and you can just go out driving?
0: Go ahead, Hans.
2: I was going to say it pretty much already is to that point. We've been like the past six years have been the period of learning. There will be a small period of time, you know, in each jurisdiction to learn new rules and stuff, but Tesla already has data on those types of things. And I think that learning the dynamics of a new location, like geographic specific driving, is a trivial problem compared to just figuring out how to do driving based on cameras in the first place. So I don't think that will be something that takes too, too long. I think the regulatory approval in each jurisdiction will take longer than the technical problem of getting FSD to function properly and safely.
3: Yeah, I think the price is an issue. I mean, today I would never buy FSD. I mean, I can't even afford to buy a Tesla, but I think that a lot of people would not spend that kind of money.
1: Didn't you say Farzad that the uh, the UK they had removed they given Ford some kind of ability for hands free driving, blue
0: cruise on highway.
1: Yeah, so isn't that like the entree to FSD in Europe?
0: I'm, I mean, you yeah. can do you can do uh, autopilot on the highways in in uh, UK right right now. It's just you can't do full self driving in city streets, I believe. So they already have Mercedes have, some sort have of it in Germany.
3: Mm-hmm. I think both Mercedes and Audi have it in Germany.
2: Yeah,
0: on yeah.
3: freeways.
2: Yeah. On your pricing question, Mimi, I think that the way that this will play out will basically be rooted in Tesla's mission that they have artificially held prices very high on FSD because demand for FSD was high, and they didn't want to have too many users using the system while the safety of the overall system was not to the level that it needed to be. And so in my mind, there's a critical safety threshold, which from the sounds of what I've been hearing from people who are using V11, we're getting very close to where the number of interventions, the amount of vigilance that drivers need to have is very low. that Tesla doesn't necessarily have to worry about having high quality drivers who are highly vigilant using the system to test all the safety edge cases and make sure that when they deploy it at a mass scale, that they're not gonna have a number of very terrible accidents just based on the law of large numbers. So once they pass this safety critical threshold, then the question becomes, how do we transition the world to sustainable energy as quickly as possible and fsd is a huge lever in allowing us to get more ev miles with fewer cars and then the pricing will reflect that reality that they'll lower the price to maximize the overall usage of fsd and reduce as many ice miles driven um as possible and we should see a commensurate just explosion in overall fsd earnings it'll be at a much lower margin but the total amount of fsd revenue will be insane what do you do with the people that paid the full full price
1: are they going to be happy
2: they're early adopters and that's the part like they got <laughs> access to it while everyone else waited like this is you know if you think about crossing the chasm and you know that early adopter versus um yeah the the majority early majority late majority that you know there are people that paid tens of thousands of dollars for flat screen tvs not that many years ago And now I can go down to Walmart and I can get like a 70 inch TV for 400 bucks.
0: So I think the way it's going to work is I think the guys who bought full self-driving up front, I think they'll get this pure speculation. They'll get a license to be able to put it in the RoboTaxi network. And if you're a monthly subscriber, you can just use it. But if you want to put it in the RoboTaxi network, you have to buy it. And turn your asset into a into a taxi. I think speculation that would be one way to appease those people that bought it for full price.
3: But eventually, I mean, since since it doesn't follow um, you, it follows the car. I mean, eventually, those people will buy a new car,
0: Uh, and then they have
3: to pay for FSD again.
0: I believe that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Under that scenario, I I, I'm just speculating. Mm -hmm i have no idea what in that, that scenario maybe,
2: though the value of that car that they're selling should be you know significantly higher than it was sell for a huge profit yeah maybe
1: that's and maybe maybe that's how they do it they let those who paid full bore take it with them to their next tesla also and that's their uh, that's the accommodation or they give them a yeah. discount on the next fsd purchase
0: yeah uh the fact that we're oh uh, breaking news. Elon Musk is preparing to launch a new artificial intelligence startup to compete with ChatGPT maker OpenAI. The Financial Times reported Friday. All right. Great. Yet another AI company.
1: <laughs> Actually, I heard,
0: now, this I heard is the about, right hands.
1: <laughs> I heard about this in terms of how it would benefit Tesla, that it would be used to to maximize the efficiency of Tesla as a company.
0: The AI hmm. at Twitter.
1: Yeah, the AI at Twitter. The side benefit would be used to maximize efficiency at Tesla.
0: <laughs> I
1: saw it somewhere posted today.
0: How? Like with I might have Sawyer
1: Merritt. Sorry, Sawyer Merritt. He didn't. I. I either he didn't explain or my attention span is too short. <laughs> Pro- probably both. We'll
0: go uh, with the first one.
1: <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, no, but it was it that probably would be uh, good.
3: It would be no, good go for the bots, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, if you have a really smart thing in your hands, it's it's bound to make you better, right? So anyway, we should go to q and uh, I think we should go maybe like 10, 15 more minutes, make sure we get as many questions as possible, and then we'll move over to the uh, members only. Thank you so much for joining us. We're 1,056 folks in. Uh, we also have a poll we want to show uh, right before we do Q&A. If you want to join us in the members only discussion, you can click on join right below this video. And just to give you a heads up, Uh, two things. One, half of the funds from these community forums go into the community poll uh, where the community gets to decide what to do with those funds. And then secondly, uh, now that Twitter has opened up subscriptions uh, and a creator, sort of a creator portal for folks, I'm going to be experimenting on Twitter a lot lately. So if you do want to sort of join me there, it's at Farziness, F-A-R-Z-Y-N-E-S-S. I have no idea how it's going to look yet, but now that Elon and the Twitter team are opening that up. Basically, a YouTube competitor-ish. I'm going to be experimenting that with that a lot. So I'm curious to see what, what turns out there. I'm very excited. A lot of uh, opportunities, especially with spaces and all kinds of stuff. Poll from the community. Would you buy a Chinese-made Tesla? 77% said yes. 22% said no. Thoughts on the on the responses? Surprised? Expecting? Right? Yeah. Far from I the
1: yeah, I think we're a biased a biased group, So, and we have a plant in China, so it seems yep. consistent. Okay.
0: So wouldn't that mean that, I mean, all of us didn't have a Tesla before, now we have a Tesla, or we're fans of the company at least, and we, a lot of us are okay with a Chinese-made Tesla, so if over time people will be buying Teslas or an electric car, why wouldn't they become comfortable with a Chinese-made car if Tesla's making theirs in China? We're what, happens
1: if the, what happens if china changes and they became became more oppressive and it was more obvious and it became more of a political yeah. issue
0: maybe. yeah yeah maybe all right let's do some questions first one and Cybertruck 420 Cybertrucker 420 this guy is living in style question Do you expect Tesla to be able to achieve the energy density specs for the 4680 cell they announced at Battery Day? Absolutely.
2: It's just a matter of time. What do you guys think? Yeah? hundred percent. Yeah. Agreed. It may take longer than they expected at the Battery Day announcement, but they'll get there. It's probably like everything Elon predicts.
1: It'll happen, just it'll not Mm -hmm. be timely.
2: I I predict (laughs) they'll get there in two weeks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 2020,
0: That's I time. Right? <laughs> Next one, please. And the RJ report question. I have a final interview with Tesla. Congratulations for an operations advisory role. Any suggestions on how to ace the interview and secure the job? Super excited about it. Would love y'all's input. Um, just be yourself. There's a reason why you made it to the final interview. You are great at what you do. Just literally be yourself. And show your, your passion for what you want to do. And try the, your best not to be nervous. And don't be afraid to, to just be yourself, literally. I mean, that's literally the best advice I can give you. You're there for a reason. So trust the fact that you're there for a reason. Uh, do you guys have any I would advice? Say,
3: I would say, don't let them know that you have a life outside work.
0: <laughs> Why?
3: <laughs> because yours is, you will be expected to work. Work, work, that- work, work, work.
1: I, I would uh, say I would say that to indicate that you're a huge fan of the company, but not so much
2: about the CEO.
0: <laughs> Hans, do you have any amazing advice for RJ? Um, the
2: real advice is just tell them that you know Farzad; he will vouch for you, and then act well, <laughs> that's all you need to say in your final interview. Yeah. Drop the mic. I wish you good luck,
3: though.
0: Yeah. Tell him, tell him you watch my channel and Elon follows me on Twitter, so he has to give you a job, basically. Uh, go ahead, Richard.
1: Yeah, don't sign a non-disclosure agreement and come here every Friday and tell us what's going on inside the factory. <laughs> yeah, oh,
0: that's good. yeah. Just, yeah uh, just be yourself. That's basically what we're saying. Yes. Next one. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Let us know if you get it. Uh, hopefully we hear some good news next week. Uh, Marty Party 03 question when when Tesla cracks FSD without licensing Tesla's FSD software hardware, how will other companies sell their vehicles? Phenomenal question. We were discussing this earlier in the live stream. Did you guys have any additional thoughts around this that you wanted to share? I think they'll license so- the software. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unless, unless there is a uh, separate company that can develop full self-driving to Tesla's level. I think th- the thing that people miss about the Cruise and Waymo discussion, they're like, well, Cruise and Waymo are so much better. There's no driver in there already. Great. So do this. Go on YouTube. Uh, I forget this person's um, channel. Is one of the mods or if Producer Wife can find this, I would love it. It's this lady who did a comparison of Cruise versus, or it was Waymo versus Tesla FSD. They ran the same exact route. Tesla FSD got there way sooner with no interventions. And the reason why is because Tesla's FSD can, can handle highways. Cruise and Waymo can't go on highways and they can only go in a limited uh, square footage or, or say radius of the city. These self-driving technologies are a gimmick. <laughs> it's a gimmick especially for for for, for uh, long distance travel. Yeah, don't uh, they, so, yeah, don't they have ahead. to
1: learn every single object that exists yeah. on the and planet? It and yeah,
0: it can't change. Yeah, on the
1: planet. So it's limited by its knowledge of every single object. It can't adjust yeah. just to the environment.
0: What's the, oh yeah, Callus EV, yes, perfect. Let's link that YouTube video on the comment section. Definitely check it out. They did the same exact route. The Tesla got there sooner. Because it was able to go on the highway and no interventions or disengagements, yeah.
2: Great. So there's go ahead, Hans. one thing that George Hotz continually said when he was, and I'm not sure how actively he's pursuing comma AI right now or not, but he actively said that he expected comma that Tesla would be the first company to solve fully self-driving cars, and that comma AI would be second. Um, we obviously know that george hotz is a prolific hacker he was the first person to jailbreak the iphone when he was like 14 or 15 years old um but that combined with what we've seen recently and even talked about today the ability to basically recreate a neural net and all of its weights um you know something like taking chat gpt and being able to Create a version that will run on an MacBook Air offline. It's not outside the realm of possibility that we could see very quickly after the introduction of Tesla full self-driving a essentially knockoff version that someone is able to reverse engineer from Tesla's system that could be not difficult to install and in, in cars and so that is especially as a tesla investor if your investment thesis centers around massive profits for fsd that no one else can compete with that's a risk that you need to have in your overall mental framework um, and something you need to watch for and yeah like i said watching similar types of things happen with chat gbt uh it seems like it's a uh, much higher if before I would have thought, you know, maybe that's a two or 3% chance. Now I'm thinking it's a 15 or 20% chance.
1: Yeah, I would expect a lot of litigation about uh, full self-driving or competitors about claims whose it is and who stole what. I would expect that because it's such a valuable asset that it's worth fighting over.
0: Yeah, the technology is going to be there. I mean, it's becoming quite clear the technology to be able to do it is going to be there way earlier than the regulators are going to be comfortable to let it loose on the world. But that's all you need. As long as the technology is there, the regulation, there's no way we're going to live in a world where where you can't, Allow a car to drive you around. There is way too much economic pressure for it to happen. It's way too deflationary. It's uh, it's it's a huge uh econ- economic boost to cities and jurisdictions because you're essentially freeing up uh, people's time and people's wallets to buy other stuff. And if you can remove one of the biggest costs out of the equation in driving and you put it add it back to the individual, then you have entrepreneurship exploding uh, in tandem yeah. with that.
1: If the consumer so- demands it, it's going to happen. Exactly. Even if, even if the regulators don't want it to, it just yeah. will over, you know, it just, that will move them.
0: Yep. Uh, next one. Uh, next question. George hots is also a very big food critic at Twitter. So if you want to check out his food reviews, I would recommend you go, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stefan, uh, question, what will happen to all the unsold EVs from competitors? Uh, can you pull up that uh, one web page you had up before uh, Producer Wife with the Mustang Maquis? What's It's funny you, you bring up this question because uh, Producer Wife did a quick search of uh, Mustang Maquis that haven't sold yet. What do you think yeah. will happen to all the unsold EVs from competitors?
1: I think this is the good news. The good news is because they're so bad at making cars, there won't be a lot of them.
2: That was a joke. I do think that... <laughs> Now I'm laughing. Um, I do think that there's a very real possibility that you could see fleet operators kind of offer to buy up large amounts of, like, people are going to have to take a haircut on these vehicles. And you could see basically large lump sales of of large numbers of vehicles to a single party.
0: That's a good call. How many pages are there, producer wife? If you go all the way down, I'm just curious. God,
3: that's a lot.
0: Two pages? Okay. It's not, it's like 40. It's like 30 to 40. I mean, that's not that many. Can you do model Y? Test a model Y and see how many there are within 100. Oh, within 100 miles. Oh, shit. Okay. So do Test a model Y. All miles from 78, 642. Okay. Go all the way down. Let's see how many pages there are.
2: And did you uh, see all the 1300 the... matches? Did you see 1300? Yeah, scroll all the way to the top.
0: So it tells you the number are... of matches
2: on the top left side there. Oh
0: yeah, 1300 matches. Okay, do do ta- do the model Y? Sorry, Richard. We'll go to your question here in a second. Are these just Markies or is it all all, all Fords? 941. Wow. So there's less used model wise for sale in America than Mustang Maquis. And there's way more model wise in the US than Mustang Maquis. What does that say? There's probably what? Uh, six to seven X more model wise on the road than Maquis. And there's more Maquis up for sale used than model wise. Okay. Hans, yeah. go ahead. It was written. Sorry. Oh, his face is blocked. I I didn't
1: have (laughs) anything to say.
2: It was Richard. Oh, sorry. Okay, Richard. Go
1: ahead. I was going to say Hans's face is blocked. That's what I was going to say. No, um, uh, Lucid in the first quarter. So we just finished. They, I think they they sold no, they delivered something on the order of fourteen hundred cars for the quarter, and they produced something on the order of like. Two thousand cars for the quarter. Even Neo in China, last week, the number of registrations was on the order of fourteen hundred.
0: It's tiny, wow.
1: tiny numbers, tiny.
0: Something's happening. I, I i was in the camp that Lucid would survive because they would get a lot of backing from Saudi. But I just maybe maybe that's not the case because there's not a lot of demand for their cars. There's not as much demand for the cars as I thought there would be.
1: I think the Saudis Um, will do, uh, you know what? They did it with um, uh, Credit Suisse, right? They were heavily invested in Credit Suisse. They had a lot of money in there. And when it came time to dump additional money, they said no. And they kind of bailed from it. So maybe the same thing with Lucid. You know, it's obviously cost them a lot of money. It's obviously a dog at this point in time. And at some point in time, they're going to not want to dump more money no matter how much they've already put in.
0: Yeah. It almost, seems, it almost seems like in that case, being profitable is way more important than having a good product. <laughs> in the case of Lucid, which is like mm. harder.
3: <laughs>
0: they just it's almost
2: can't like make cars. production is hard. Yeah, they just yeah. can't
3: make
1: cars. Yeah. And Rollinson, Ra- yeah. like, you know, he ribbed Tesla, right? He said the only one that had problems with uh, production was Tesla. And now he's basically out of a job.
0: Karma's a bitch, man. The universe does not take hostages. That's for damn sure. Uh, let's do one last question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mimi. We need,
3: we need as many EVs as possible.
0: But, but if companies can't do them profitably, what's. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. No, no, I know. I know. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's do one more question and then we'll move on to member only. Zuma 92 question. Farza, why don't you cover Palantir? They are the solution to the AI worries. Uh, I still don't get what they do. I, that's really my my Thank big you. problem with Palantir is that I understand why they're they're um they're they're popular. They have an eccentric CEO. They just reported their first profitable quarter ever, I think, or or cash flow positive or both. Um, They are quite popular uh, in the government sector. They seem to have their handle on a lot of AI solutions. But to me, it's just a black box thing that I just don't understand the inherent value of it. And for a software company, they've been scaling very slowly and they have really good margins in government that allow them to, you know, government, you can make a lot more money with contracts because governments just love to throw money at stuff and Uh, They just started in the private sector and they just broke break even with purely government uh, contracts, essentially. So once they enter the private sector, which is a lot more cost competitive, uh, how are they going to be able to scale and how are they going to be able to turn a profit? And what are they offering that's so differentiated from everybody else? I still don't understand these three things. And so as long as I don't get those three things, I don't really understand why Palantir would be a good solution. That's it.
2: The one thing I would say on that is, it is very black boxy um, that data security and then just operational efficacy are two huge components for, especially their early clients being mostly clandestine operations. Um, And so the, the path to make a product that works reliably and serves those customers' needs is a non-traditional software development path. And I mean, I understand where Zoom is coming from, that it is possible that they have been building the platform that actually is architected in the right way. As You know, we're watching every other company like Google, like Apple, like OpenAI and Microsoft together, like Facebook, all develop AI technology in kind of a haphazard way that's following the market and the vicissitudes of, you know, just capitalism. Whereas Palantir did their development in, like you say, the government arena where it's not necessarily subject to the same incentives and pressures. And it was because Alex Carp specifically wanted to build a different type of product that operated at a different level um, and was able to safeguard civil liberties at the same time that it provided exceptional operational efficacy to people who needed it. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's highly possible. But like you say, it is very much a black box. Um, and while I like the things that I hear from CARP and management there's not a good way for me to validate on my own whether or not, you know, they can say that it protects data security and access and privacy. Um, And obviously we know a lot of people trust it, but other than having to rely on somebody else to be a third party validation that that's true, you know, it's hard to say how good they are at that and whether or not, the product will stand up to the pressure of the AI threats that we're coming into contact with here in the not too distant future.
1: I, I actually follow Palantir a little bit and I've followed the, the earnings calls. And the reason why the stock sucks, that's my opinion, not, not uh, financial advice, is because Alex Karp doesn't, in my opinion, he doesn't care about the stockholders and the reason why I say that he's indicated that during conference during the earnings calls, he's been really flippant. He's an incredibly brilliant guy, no no question. But he's like Elon at his worst by himself. So when he's doing a call, con- you know, when he's doing a call, he's you know a bright guy, but he's off-putting. And if you were a stockholder, after you listen to or just after you listen to him, just like you said, Farzad. You'd have no idea what they were doing, and you'd think he was a prick, the combination. and it, th- That's not a way of generating a lot of uh, interest in your stock. Or uh, So that's kind of how I view it. I think it's an interesting Which project. is definitely
2: not his goal. Yeah, he doesn't care. You're right. He doesn't care about stockholders. He's like, he's like I'm not trying to attract people to put money here unless you believe in the product that we're building and our long-term ability to execute on, bring that product and the need for that product in the marketplace 5, 10, 20, 40 years from now.
0: I think I think that my biggest problem is that I just don't know what it does. That's truly, even with my conversations with like CodeStrap, for example, I get the, the business intelligence aspect of it. I still feel like it doesn't differentiate too much from everything else, but I can't touch it. I don't know what it does. And if we're a software company that is quite small compared to its co- competition, that's growing slower than a Tesla, which is a hardware company, I'm just confused. I'm like, OK, well, so what are you? What is this?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, I was going to say is that, no, exactly like we're saying, because a lot of it's black box. If he told you, he'd have to kill you. So you, you don't know. You don't know. So you're in the dark and there's no way of not. Yeah always being at least partially in the dark because that's their business model.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying they're not going to be extremely successful. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that don't invest or do invest. I'm just saying for me, I don't get it. And so if I don't get it, I'm not going to invest in it. It's really that simple. I'm not smart enough to understand. Or I don't trust the leadership in, in the same manner I trusted Elon Musk and his leadership because I actually but, know the product.
1: But, that, but that's a good point is you, know, you have to trust because when the stock, because every stock goes south. At some point in time, and when your stock goes south, if you're not all in on the company, then you bail and you lose yep. money. You and you, so you got to be, you got to like it or else not invest.
0: Yep, very true. uh I'd love to learn more. Continue to learn more. I've, I've continued to have discussions on Palantir, but again, it's like I just can't. You know, I know their balance sheet is rock solid. They have no debt and a ton of cash and they're very well positioned from a, from that perspective. I'm like, okay, but what, what are you trying to be in the next 10, 20 years? It's still kind of very abstract to me, but again, I might not be bright enough to understand it. So, okay, let's go to members only. If you want to join us to members only click on join, right below this video, uh, half of the proceeds from this stream will go to our community fund. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Fascinating discussion, wide ranging about to hit my six months at Giga Texas, Sir Worthington. Um, okay. So where is Cybertruck? When is it going to launch? When is the uh, configurator going to go live? Is Model Highland uh, Model 3 true? We need these answers now. Screw your NDA, bro. Come on, you can <laughs> do it for us. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I hope I, I. hope somebody doesn't actually do that. Um, Mimi, Hans, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to members only. Community in the comments section, always thank you so much. Amazing community. Hit the like button if you're enjoying the stream. Uh, subscribe if you want to see more content from us. If you want to support the channel? Description below. Uh, mods, phenomenal job as always in the comments section. Thank you so much. And uh, last but not least, producer wife. As always, thank you, baby. Killer Every, day in and day out. Uh, all right, everybody. Members only. Here we go. See you. In, see you in the next one. Bye bye. Bye bye.